Hello and welcome to the Raptors Ration Podcast. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose by a score of 114 to 107 uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers. That drops them to 1-2 and two on the season, second out of a back-to-back. Uh, Raptors facing, let's be honest, a much better team, a team with clearly the best two players on the floor tonight and Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid and guys who have obviously hurt the Raptors in the past and continue to do so uh, for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I mean, you know, Raptors uh, just, you know, I, I think I realized today um, just that I, I had this feeling that I, I haven't had with the Raptors in a long time where at no point in this game, even when the Raptors were up, I didn't really feel like, okay, we can really beat this team because Maxi was getting whatever he wanted against us and the coverage against Embiid was just very sloppy. The Raptors were not executing it well uh, and were executing it with intensity. And so I thought, even if we're up right now, and even though we're hitting all these threes to begin, and the Raptors literally shot, what, seven of seven to start the game from three. You, you think about, like, last night, literally last night, this exact same team shot, like, two of 19 in the first half from three. So you, you kind of know, obviously, seven of seven from three is kind of like a little aberration. Um, but even that hope of, like, holding on, I'm just like, yeah, this other team is really, really good, and you don't really have any answers against that squad. Um, and so in the second half, I wasn't really stressed when the Sixers uh, finally took the lead. Um, and then I wasn't really that pressed when the Raptors tried to make a comeback at the end, but couldn't get it done and ultimately fall short. You know, it, it's the feeling where I'm like, okay, you know what? The young guys played well and um, they were in the game late and they kept it competitive. And you can kind of feel happy with that. And I haven't had that exact feeling of just like they lost, but the young guys played well and, um, and they were close. I haven't had that feeling as a Raptor fan or my expectations as a Raptor fan hasn't really been like that since 2013, 2014. And I mean, the start of that season, you know, like um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I've been really conditioned to, to expect wins and results and competitiveness from the group. And uh, even when you are underdogs, then I thought the Raptors were underdogs against the Sixers this whole time um, since Kawhi left. But even when you're underdogs, you still scrap against them. You still have wins like, you know, the game where they held Embiid to zero points and Pascal's dunking the ball at the end and holding that little Jude, cele- uh, Jude Bellingham celebration with a dunk at the end there. Uh, I'm thinking about, you know, the matchups that we took off of the Sixers a couple years ago, you know, even when they went down uh, 0-3 in the series, um, you know, still fighting back and winning game four, winning game five on the road too, like, that kind of scrappiness. I mean, you just didn't feel that here tonight. And look, I'm not saying that that's for it for the season. Like no one's going to say that. Um, my point is just like, I, I'm, I realize I have to recalibrate my expectations just a little bit. I think especially because the Raptors had such a strong stretch um, that you just kind of expect them to be competitive in every game. You know, you just don't get that sense. Cause again, today they just felt very much outclassed and not just outclassed in the sense of like, okay, we don't have even remotely the same talent, which is true. Right, we don't have anyone as good as Max. We don't have anyone as good as Embiid. Um, but even at the same time, our execution and things like that just were not tight. Like I think Embiid was the 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 problem here in terms of just like. Um, so the Raptors' strategy against Embiid was to play him in single coverage when he's in the middle of the floor, live with sort of semi-contested uh, mid-range shots. Obviously, he's super great at those. His mid-range touches in the mid-range is amazing. Um, he probably scores like easily 10 points a game from the mid-range when you consider the fouls he draws on there too so you know that's something you live with but um you know the raptors are okay with living sort of face-up jumpers from there if he gets down and he actually backs down and, and gets back down into the post that's when the raptors were supposed to play 
uh, help defense with either Yakov or Precious, whichever of those two are playing center. They're supposed to sort of play him to spin towards the baseline. And then that's when the second defender was supposed to rotate uh, from the weak side corner shooter all the way across, which in this case was typically Scotty Barnes, sometimes Pascal Siakam, was supposed to rotate over. Um, and then the Raptors were supposed to zone up behind there and the adjustment and the rotations from there. Like, the first three or four times Embiid um, got the ball in the low post, because in the mid-range he was already hitting shots, but I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I, I suppose that's the new defensive uh, philosophy is we're just not going to help too much. But when he gets down low, you have to concede. You do have to rotate and make the help. And the Raptors just, A, sometimes weren't making the right rotations, or B, the rotations weren't happening at all. And so Darko had to call that first time out just to sort of, like, get that into them. But, you know, even besides that, like, the three-point shooting that Maxi has where he's just able to, like, sell, uh, uh, separate himself and, you know, pull up for three. I mean, just even watching him in warm-ups, it's been unbelievable watching him just warm up. It, it, it's He was in an incredible rhythm, and I think one thing you notice with him is somehow – no matter what he is doing off the dribble, no matter how fast he is coming off that dribble, on that pickup, in terms of when that ball is obviously mid-dribble and you collect it and you put it in your hand and then you rise up for the shoot it, his pickup is elite because every single time he somehow finds the seams, I don't know how he's doing it, but every single time he has that thing right on the seams and he was just cash money on every single three tonight. So, you know, you don't have something necessarily for that. Now, of course, what the Raptors have done this year is like, okay, we want to take away the paint and we want to take away the corner threes, but we will live with contested pull-up threes at the top of the floor. Issue with that is certain players, when you're so talented, they break the general math, right? Your general math will tell you, at least in terms of just like, you know, where expected values are on the floor, that pull, pull up threes are, are actually like maybe the second worst shot in the game versus like pull up mid rangers. But some players have that kind of talent. And Maxi was clear from the start he was going to knock all those down. And the Raptors, obviously, I'm not saying it's easy for him to, to, to guard a pick and roll between Maxi and Embiid, but the Raptors would, um, you know, not show against Maxi and not respect him. And I think that, you know, obviously Maxi is a guy who's coming up in the league right now and uh, he's getting better and better. But the way he played tonight functionally, it was like as if, you know, Damian Lillard was coming off that screen against Joel Embiid. And if you think about that way in terms of not Maxi, but it's Damian Lillard, another quick point guard that plays that wears number zero, would you be okay with being down on, um, pick and rolls involving Damian Lillard. It doesn't even matter who the roller is. It could be literally Joel Embiid. You still need to do something different than just dropping on those coverages. And look, we, we changed off the defense, right? Like, obviously, the last couple of years, you know, Maxi really got um, free against Fred Van Vliet, and, and the speed of Fred just, you know, couldn't catch up with Maxi. Honestly, most players don't have the speed of, um, of, of Maxi. But if there's our couple of players close, I mean, Dennis would be pretty close, right? A ball hawk can get around some screens. And, and try to at least match Maxi's quickness. Well, that didn't do anything to remotely stop Maxi. Number one, like the Embiid, the Embiid screens um, were effective in getting Dennis that, you know, separated from the play. But also, even when he did recover, or even when he did stay in lockstep with him, Maxi would just shoot over the top or he would get into the mid-range, turn around, you know, little floaters. He's got incredible touch on those floaters. Like, what can you do? And I guess what I'm trying to really say is just like there are certain players in this league who can just get you these buckets and obviously Embiid and, and Maxi are two of those guys, that the Raptors just don't have that ability to even match. Like, at a certain point, you just got to live with the fact that unless you're going to make crazy adjustments, and, you know, that's what Nick Nurse has been obviously doing with the Raptors the last couple of years is make these intense defensive adjustments and or even come into the games with, like, really, really strange game plans and sort of, like, force these stars into thinking and, and obviously leave a lot of corner three-point shooters open, a lot of leave another secondary guys open. But ultimately, you know, guys are... Um, 
trying to like disrupt the star players to this degree. Again, the, the Embiid zero point game is like the classic example of this. Not just the fact that you have um, you know Marcus and Serge Ibaka as as your primary defenders, but you had so much help and you had such a crazy scheme around him, right? Right now we're playing very very standard scheme. Like we're talking we're talking about drop coverage against that pick and roll. And also at the same time, we're not really even executing the one little bit of help defense we're supposed to do, which was Embiid. If he posts up, he's going to draw that second defender. And honestly, credit to Embiid because by the fourth quarter, he figured it out. Okay, so if I post up and I catch the ball, um, that help defender is going to rotate over from the baseline. And that means other guys are open. That's how Kelly Oubre got like two wide open looks right at the basket. Right now, of course, the Raptors should have rotated. There's obviously rotations that comes with the you got to help the helper. Um, and those rotations were being made. Or even sometimes when the baseline defender, for example, was Grady Dick, who came over to to, to, to double Embiid, Embiid literally just spun and just like, and like Grady looked like he got hit by a truck and it did nothing against him, right? So obviously there are certain players that aren't strong enough to execute that coverage. Just one thing when Scotty comes over as a help defender, 100% different when it's Grady Dick as a 19-year-old coming over to, to help against Embiid. It doesn't matter, like, you know, so... My point is, if you don't have these tricky defenses, then and that means you're willing to live with a certain level of scoring from the opponent. And that means you need to have that requisite amount of scoring to match your opponent. Otherwise, you're not going to be competitive in this game. And that's where the Raptors just didn't. Like, you know, like you could say the .5 offense, all this kind of stuff. The ball's supposed to touch the post a lot in the .5 offense, especially the way they're supposed to run it right now. But um, I thought Jakob and Precious both are struggling with that right now. Both of these guys are not playing well whatsoever. Jakob, especially, I was very disappointed by him. Um, you know, you're supposed to, you know, obviously, Masai said it at the end of the season, right? He's a top sense center. I mean, honestly, he's a top center center in the sense that, like, you know, he's debatable at 10. But the point is, he's still a pretty good starting center in this league, and I haven't seen that yet coming into the season, right? In preseason, he missed some time because he was sick, whatever. Um, preseason wasn't long, but coming into the season, I'm like, okay, the guy I'm least worried about is Jakob Pertl. We haven't seen much of Jakob, right? In game one against the Timberwolves, or the Raptors won, it was Precious who closed that game. Game two, Jakob fouls out, doesn't really affect the game. Today, against Embiid of all people, you really need him to come in and step up and did nothing. And I'm not saying that, like, look, it's, like, easy to guard Embiid or whatsoever, but no pressure put on the ball whatsoever. Like, this was the game where Embiid felt the most comfortable I've ever seen him look, right? We've seen Embiid come to Toronto with zero points. We've seen him come to Toronto with, like, five, six, seven turnovers or whatever. We've seen the Raptors throw crazy stuff at Embiid. Joel Embiid tonight, 34 points, 14-21 shooting from the field. Only got to the foul line six times. Had nine rebounds, eight assists, a steal, two blocks, and only one turnover. He was in relaxed mode the whole time. Alex made this point in the booth. Guy never pulled his shorts. Never had his hand on his shorts because he was tired because the Raptors were doing all this to him. Nothing, right? And listen, that's that's fine. You want to change the defense, that's okay. However, on-ball defense, could Jakob not get a little bit tighter to him? Could he not put a little bit of pressure on him? Well, there not even a second thought for MB to maybe have to make a move to get open. It was just wide open pull-up jumper over and over and over again. And you know how good his touches. And Jakob, honestly, like, you're, you're not as athletic as Embiid, but you got nimble feet too. You can get a little tighter. You can get a little closer. No effect on that front. But I think what was strange to me was that Jakob couldn't even catch the ball. Like, Yak has always had good hands. Even as a rookie, he had good hands. So, like, him fumbling the ball a bunch of times, him, like, failing to convert around the basket, a couple and ones he couldn't really make, things like that, like, it just wasn't really effective at all. Like, you would have thought, okay, you know what? 
if you couldn't guard the Sixers before with what you had before, which was no real seven-footer and a slow point guard, now you have a quick point guard in Dennis and a real seven-footer in Jakob, and somehow your coverage against them is even worse. Like, Maxi has 34, knocks down seven threes, uh, goes 12 or 20 from the field, and Embiid literally has the easiest 34 points I've ever seen him have against Toronto, to the point where he's celebrating against the crowd at the end there. He's stuffing Scotty Barnes, and... It was just so clear that they had the best two players on the floor. Now, offensively for the Raptors, you know, a couple of things in terms of the movement actually looked pretty well. Like, you know, they ran a couple of Spain pick and rolls where you know, you have one person screen for the ball and then another person screen for that uh, screener right behind. So, um, you know, you can create a couple of confusions there. And, you know, they got a Scotty open dunk on one of those plays. They got Gary like a you know open driving lane up to kick out and he attacked the, you know, someone attacked the closeout and. Gary's able to get to the foul line and, and draw a foul, whatever. Um, you know, a couple of times they're able to move the ball nicely against double teams. And, you know, Nick Nurse double teams a lot. So, you know, if you have some high-low passes, they made those, whatever. But ultimately, I, it's so different from what it was last year. And I, I suppose that is the point. I mean, we should know that is the point. But you look at a guy like Pascal Siakam, right? 36 minutes played tonight. Barely even saw him on the floor in terms of just like he's playing 36 minutes, but is he involved? Is he actually getting the ball? When he does get the ball, is he just running a little dribble handoff to someone else to get the ball? Like when was it initiated for Pascal to have the ball and to look to attack? First half, I thought he started really well. But like second half, he barely even noticed him. And to the point where he was so out of rhythm at the end of the game, he was making mistakes. You know, didn't box out against Max uh, Harris, and, and that led to some free throws. Had to open three, missed that. You know, had to cut around the basket, missed that. So, you know, like I'm not saying that it's not on him, but he's not even involved. He's such an afterthought in this offense that it, honestly, you would confuse his role with Chris Boucher's on a night like today. And you compare what this version of Pascal is versus two years ago, Pascal Siakam, your lead ball handler, pick and rolls post-ups, you know, drawing double teams, kicking it out, you know, defensively really involved as well, weak side helper. I mean, today he actually, I thought his defense was pretty good. Um, and he executed the schemes actually really well versus other guys who made a lot of mistakes. But still, that's not the point. Like, we're talking about Pascal Siakam in terms of just, like, your guy, your guy who's your best scorer. And you don't, he's not empowered whatsoever. Like I, like I'm not saying that anyone's going to give up on the season after three games, but has any point in this, in this like three games so far where you have felt like, Oh, there's an actual involvement to get Pascal the ball in the spots that he likes and to, to go from there. Instead, we're all, we're just really doing is dissecting like, Oh, Pascal in the background wasn't smiling or like, you know, look at him. Like, why don't, why don't I ask about him or whatever this and that it's like, honestly, how could put yourself in Pascal's position in a contract year? Would you be happy like this? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And that's not to say he couldn't play better, couldn't be more involved or whatever. But, like, you got to break the offense for Pascal to have the ball. What does that really say about what we're trying to do here, right? Now, the flip side of that is at least you get to develop certain guys. And we saw Scotty Barnes have a really nice game in terms of, you know, um, his impact on the game. I think his energy continues to be high. It feels like he has a clear green light to shoot any shot, like deep threes, post mid-rangers. Like, you can definitely tell what's a green light in terms of who's shooting mid-rangers, right? Like, Scotty has the green light. Dennis has the green light. And in, in this game, you know, Grady had the green light. But ultimately, like, you know, that's sort of the focus, right? We're seeing, like, these guys get much more of the chances, um, Scotty and Dennis, and we're seeing it less from Pascal. Now, 
for a guy like Scotty, we all want to see this happen, right? And honestly, this is where it's like going back to what I said to start, where in terms of like, we're just happy the young guys played well and they kept it close and it was entertaining. 24 points, eight rebounds, five assists for Scotty, two blocks as well, came on strong, knocked down some threes, mid-range, got to the basket a couple of times, like played some energetic defense, pushed the pace. Like this is what you want out of Scotty Barnes, right? And this is what we all want to see. So it's great. Is it enough to affect the game in terms of beating a team like the Sixers? Probably not. But against lesser teams, you probably see that this is enough of an effort. And then I think Grady coming in was was actually, you know, really fun. I mean, the fact that, you know, he came in, he was like either the, he was the second sub off the bench. Jakob picked up two fouls and he came out of the game. Again, it just Jakob was very sluggish. I mean, both, both fouls were, un- were avoidable um, if he, you know, was playing his usual self. Uh, Precious comes in to, to 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 replace him, but Grady, I think, was the second sub off the bench, and he came in and instantly gave an impact, knocked down two threes, knocked down a mid-ranger. You know, he had eight points in the first quarter, got the whole crowd lit. Raptors up 36-27 going into uh, the end of the first quarter. But, you know, you start to see some slippages. And, and, and for Grady, it's just defensively, he took himself out of the game, right? He picked up three fouls in, like, the first, like, shift of the game and he ultimately has to sit okay so what can you really do you mean you, you if you're a coach you, you can't really play a rookie like that on three fouls in the first half so then he comes back in the second half and credit to him you know like he, he competed he scrapped you know t- he, he's got a sense of when to crash from the corners for the tap outs um he's moving he's shooting he obviously was hitting today two four six from three which was great five of eight from overall uh went hard to the basket in transition um you know, kind of a little dangerous play in terms of just like him sort of like sacrificing his body like that, but jumped into Ubre midair and, and and took a hard fall. Um, but ultimately, you know, you, you saw him and, and there's a real promising sign. I mean, literally had zero points in the first two games, 16 points right now. Awesome to see him develop, right? Even Malachi Flynn, this was actually his best game of the three games this season. He still had some errors. There's one player where he stripped the ball and then he like, was just great. And Bede was in the post, uh, trying to spin away from two defenders, and Malika came over as a third defender, stripped him, and then tried to dribble out of that and ultimately dribbled it off his foot or something, and it actually went out of the bounds right back to the Sixers. But ultimately, I liked Malachi the way he played today. You know, got the team into their offense, you know, took some open threes, made them. Um, you know, I'm not complaining whatsoever with what Malachi did. This was his best game from three games by far. It actually wasn't his fault. But I think what was disappointing to me was watching the bench bigs come in and not rebound. And that was an issue that happened in the Bulls game. That was one of the things where it was like McDaniels and Precious had some missed blockouts that really, really led to key offensive rebounds that, uh, honestly, the Sixers bench, just like the Bulls bench, just come in and scrap, but they don't really have that much scoring talent. But if if you allow them to outwork you, then you have no one to blame but yourself, right? Like, I mean, come on. We're talking about Chris and Precious. These are hustle players in this league, and they're getting out-hustled, right? Um, So, like, what are we talking about? Right. They, they come in, they give up offensive rebounds. The Sixers had, uh, I believe, seven offensive rebounds in, in the first half. They only finished with nine. But that allowed the Sixers, especially in a time where Nick was actually playing his starters a little bit less. I mean, that allowed the Sixers to, um, you know, spell their starters. Now, the Raptors still was able to, you know, be in the lead. But that third quarter, I mean, Maxi just went off, went, so got so hot from three. Again, guys just need to be higher up on him. Like, you know what? It's not even just like. Maxi's gotten to the point where even like deep threes, like, you know, the like five feet behind the line, he'll still pull from there. And he's still he's confident enough to do that. And obviously, when you really get tied up on him, that's when he gets super tricky because his best asset is still going to the basket and making shots. These floaters, the touches that he has and the angles that he's able to play them at is just absurd to me, man. Again, I'm so jealous watching this kind of scoring talent. It's effortless versus like what we do. Um 
but still, like that that really got them a lot of separation. At that point, it was like, okay, can the Raptors make a comeback? And they not. I mean, honestly, they, their defense was never good enough to really, really come in there, right? Like, you at no point did you make their top one and two options stink twice. On top of that, Kelly Uber actually did a really good job crashing in from the weak side off these cuts and stuff like that. So. You just didn't have enough. I mean, Dennis had, had back-to-back threes. That was nice, but he continues to struggle making two-point shots. A lot of these are, like, layups. I mean, like, they're, they're layups in the sense that, like, he's going to the basket, but they're also, like, long finger rolls where he's, like, stretching and trying to, like, rush his way to the basket. It's going to affect your touch. I made this point previously as well. Uh, um, but also at the same time, it's just, like, on, uh, they're not really following for him right now. Like, a couple times he got to the basket, he just couldn't get the finish to drop. I don't know what that is, but, you know, I do trust him to at least improve on that front. I think today he was, what, um, one for eight on twos, like, and there were like horrible twos or anything like that. But you know, I, I like his playmaking. He definitely has the ball a lot. You could definitely see fifteen points, ten assists, um, and he is making some good passes for sure. Um, and I thought he did a better job, better job today taking care of the boss compared to the first two games. You know, but like, I mean, come on, we're going back at Maxi with Dennis Schroeder. Like, you're just an uphill battle, right? And like, you know, Scotty had a nice game for sure, but like, is that enough to go up against Embiid? And that's where it's like, okay, can we find other ways to get Pascal involved, right? Okay, so he he's he's spotting up for three right now, which I mean, like, okay, yeah, fine, but like, you know, that's not his that's not his best trait. Like, if you're giving you two for five from three point range on spot ups, that's you're pretty happy with that, right? Like, that's actually pretty decent. But you're not really giving the ball in the spots he likes to attack, and you know, like. I'm not really sure what you see from it. Like, he's still drawing double teams because he's Pascal Siakam, and Nick Nurse knows how good Pascal is. So he was able to make a couple passes out of those. That was fine. But he needs to have the ball to do that. And if we're just playing point five and it's just, like, dribble handoff, dribble handoff, and then he he sits in the corner. Like, again, I'm serious. Like, Pascal played, like, a Chris Boucher role today, which is, like, absurd to me. So whatever. I guess you're just not going to get enough offense uh, from that kind of grouping. Um uh, so, yeah, I think really it's just the Raptors lost to a better team tonight, second half of back-to-back, whatever, but they just lost to a better team tonight. You know, OG uh, was ruled in, which was strange. Um, Darko said that he was ruled in. We, we, he got some warm-up shots and everything like that, but uh, he was ruled out shortly before the game, the continuation of the cramping issue that he has. So hopefully he's okay. Hopefully that's not a recurring issue. I don't really see why you would cramp that much um, and, and how a cramp would be a recurring issue, but, you know, who knows? Um but without OG, obviously, that, that cuts off a lot of your three-point shooting. Still, the Raptors shot 17 of 32 from three, and they shot 53%. Obviously, Grady being hot helped. Dennis being hot helped. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just wasn't kind of enough for the rest of it. So, I, I mean, look, listen, like, this – I'm not saying you're, you're bailing out to three seasons – or three games, but sometimes you do face up against a team with, like, real star talent like Philadelphia. And unless you do something wild against it – with your underdog team, you're not really going to get underdog results, right? And did we see, like, some of the competitiveness, that scrappiness? Yes, to some degree, but also, like, the discipline and the togetherness on defense wasn't there. And on offense, like, eh, you know, I mean, I mean, this is kind of, like, pretty good, like, actually compared to sort of what they've shown previous two games, right? Like, this would have been enough on offensive effort to beat the Bulls, for example, but let's just put that aside. So, um yeah, I, 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 this is where we are in the season. Um, and, and maybe this is some a kind of a nice reminder that, like, even though we're really optimistic, even though these things sound really good in theory, in practice, it's going to take a lot of time to catch up to that. And also, we're going to need to see real-time leaps. And and uh, in upfront, I'm actually pretty happy. Like, Scotty really is making a bit of a leap. Like, this is a better Scotty Barnes than we saw in his first season and his second season. I, I like the playmaking. I like the, you know, up-and-down kind of style of play. I, I, mean, I like that he's taking these mid-range shots. I've always thought that he had great touch on those. And even though I know Darko doesn't like them, but, like, you give a guy a green light, you got a green light, right? Like, you know, Scotty got a green light. Pascal got, like, a yellow light. But, like, you know, okay, like, fine. 
um, if you're going to give him a green light, let him shoot and let him be aggressive. And Scotty did not sing twice, and he was very aggressive. Dennis, very aggressive, you know, looking great um, in his role. And then, yeah, Grady, I mean, I don't expect this every night, but this is, if this is sort of a, a sense of what he could be at least right now in terms of the upper end of things, it's pretty good. Comes in, shoots the ball, plays, you know, unselfish. I mean, unselfish, unselfish. I mean, that's such a buzzword at this point. Like, I just like Grady's movement and activity and, and uh, his sense for the game. I mean, defensively, obviously, there's going to be real issues, but we're talking about a 19-year-old rookie. Like, if we're playing a 19-year-old rookie 28 minutes and he's closing the game, you're probably not going to win that game, but you probably are pretty happy with how you're developing a player, you know? And and maybe that's that's what it is. Maybe it's so hard to do both that you have to do one or the other. And if you had to pick and choose one, you would choose developing over winning. But... You know, who knows? Who's to say the Raptors would have beat the Sixers anyway? I mean, the Sixers are a much better team than the Raptors. Like, it's not it's not a surprise. Let's just say that much. So, uh, your three stars from tonight's performance. Um, first star is going to go to Scotty Barnes. Uh, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 11-16 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. Looks good. And, you know, in the grander scheme of things, like, this is the bigger, this is the biggest importance to the franchise. So, um, win or lose, if he looks good, then I, I suppose it's a win. Um, your second star... I mean, uh, I'll probably give it to Grady. Honestly, Grady's going to get the second star for me. 28 minutes, 5 of 8 shooting from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Was he the second best Raptor? No, he wasn't. But I'm very encouraged by what I saw. And I don't know, in a small way, here's a little gold star. But, like, yeah, he, he, he did well. And it was exciting watching him. He got the Raptors off to that early start. Um, came in the game with a lot of energy. And I like his confidence already for a rookie. So, you know, those are all things that I don't want to take for granted. And then your third star, I'll probably give it to Dennis. I mean, uh, it's not even like he played horrible defense on Maxi. Like, the effort was there. I mean, honestly, I think it's like he, like, left the mope or anything. It's not like, that. you know, Maxi was consistent in, like, um, beating the Raptors with his movement or the Raptors weren't in place or whatever. It's just Maxi was much, much better. But ultimately, Dennis actually played a decent game. 15 points, 10 assists, 4 rebounds, 3 offensive, 2 steals, uh Four threes, which is great to see. Definitely hit the free celebration in the booth a couple times with JR and Lee Ban while Alex was like, we're not winning this game. And, uh, you know, it turns out he was right. The game is about a bucket. And uh, the Sixers had two buckets and the Raptors had none. But it, uh, in terms of the Gerald Henderson over winner, if I had to go with one, I mean, I'd probably go with Kelly. I've just been really impressed with Kelly Oubre through two games for the Sixers. I mean, literally he's a minimum signing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's obviously game one, he was awesome. We talked about it on the show. He was like, 27 points, 9 of 11 shooting from the field. Today, didn't hit the threes at all, but crashed the weak side quite quite well and didn't take bad shots. Well, that's not true. He did take bad shots, but, you know, his activity and activity um, on both offense uh, with his cutting and also defense with his sort of jumping passing lane was really good. So 18 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals. He did a great job. So big questions. How do you get Pascal involved? What the what the hell is wrong with Jakob right now? Because, man, I don't know. I don't recognize his Jakob Pertl. This is not the rap. rap this is not worth a first-round pick if this is what we're talking about with Jakob Proto. So he's got so many more levels to this. He's been so poor today that I, I'm genuinely surprised. I, 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 I'm I, flabbergasted, honestly. You can tell. Whether it's Chris or McDaniels, one of those two have to, like, actually come in and, and make an effort. The most important thing is rebounding and, and, and taking the right shots on offense. Um, but neither of them have really done anything. Like, you got McDaniels coming in for three minutes, zeros across the board. Chris Boucher comes in for 12 minutes, earns them from yesterday, but one of six on the field, misses a whole bunch of opportunities around the basket. Um, and then Precious, I mean, listen, if the development in terms of, like, this team, Precious is very up, th- up there in terms of importance of development. And right now, I'm going to see development in terms of, like, 
can he first learn to play his roles really well consistently every single night, which is to play great defense, which is to rebound the ball, which is, um, well, honestly, those two things are more important than anything else. And I would say those are iffy. Um, but then on top of that, can we see some development in terms of feel? Are the screens connecting? Is he making the right screen? Is he rolling the right time? He missed like three or four, like just lobs at the basket too. I'm not sure what that was all about. And is the hustle high? Well, the hustle was decent, but like ultimately, you know, if you had to grade this performance from pressures, it's probably closer to like a C minus, if not a D. So yeah, if you got like literally an F performance from Jakob and a D performance from precious against Joel Embiid, you're not going to win the game. So um, yeah, that's that's the that's the game. Um, the Raptors will play again on Monday against the Blazers, and so if they lose that one, it'll be a real problem. But ultimately, I'd still like the Raptors. Obviously, like no, I still like the Raptors. I'm always gonna like the Raptors, but like I still like a lot of the things that they're doing, and, and I think they're from promising signs. How they incorporate Pascal more and more will be a huge conversation. I mean, him only taking eight shots today. I mean, come on, man. Like it's we gotta go back like a calendar year to see that. Like literally last year, his season low was. Uh, 10 field goal attempts and the season before that 21 22 his season low uh, for attempts that year was seven and that came against boston um shortly after he returned from injury past that it was like 12 12 12 12 12 13 13 so like you got to go back like two years basically for like an actual fully healthy pascal siakam to only be this minimally featured and i'm not saying you have to feature pascal over the success of the team but I don't really see a successful version of this Raptors team or a competitive version of the Raptors team with Pascal in a Chris Boucher role. So, you know, a lot of questions to figure out. Darko's rotations also kind of all over the map right now. Um, he had a great chance to challenge something. He didn't challenge it. Ultimately, didn't challenge any calls in this game. So it is what it is. I guess the last word is just, yeah, Nick Nurse came back. Um, you know, what, what's the update? He has two elephants now, two plush elephants in his office for the elephants in the room. I suppose one of them he can just nickname James. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it was a nice little po- – I would say, like, it wasn't a standing ovation, but it was, a, like, a healthy, like, you know, uh, round of applause for him. Obviously, he deserves it. He won the championship here. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, throughout the game, I thought Nick was actually quite chill. Like, sometimes he yelled at the referee, whatever, but, like, Sixers were pretty in control of this one, and uh, he didn't have to squat too much. But, uh, well, I guess, welcome home to Nick, and uh, we move on. Life moves on. Kind of a no – it wasn't as big of a fanfare, I suppose, as we may be expected, but – um, it is what it is. So thanks everyone for listening. Could please continue to rate, review, subscribe. Let us know what you think of the new show. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday with more of that show. 